Roderick on the Line is unabashedly sponsored by Igloo Software, a digital workplace that helps you work better with other people. Sign up for a free 30-day trial at igloosoftware.com slash findyourduck. Hello. Hi, John. Hi, Merlin. How's it going? Mm. Mm. Good. You caught me in the middle of a peanut butter sandwich. <laughs> Did I? I caught you. Yeah. I mean, I was sitting here <laughs> expecting your call, but I thought in the meantime I would have a peanut butter sandwich. Hmm. What kind of button you get for something like that? Oh, a peanut butter sandwich button? <laughs> I mean, they were one of those Elephant Six bands, if memory serves. Hmm. <laughs> You know, is this is this still a good time for you? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, you know, uh, uh, years of making music records, I've learned to <laughs> that's think what of, they call them. They call them music records. Music records. I learned to think of uh, vocals as a kind of like a digital graph. You know what I mean? Like you, you see the you see the um, the the visual of a of of the waveform of a right. musical instrument. And so my my first thought is is there a is there a filter we could put on that that would just take out all the smacking and the food sounds? That's uh, a it's that, a really it's a very very good question. It's certainly something that I've thought about. Um you know, as you know, as somebody who's made lots of music records, you mm-hmm. know that there are various sorts of things I believe they call them filters. Mm-hmm. Filters. That, that will filters. I think they're music filters. They call filters. them filters that will intelligently go out and find certain kinds of things. You know, you pick if you got the hum, you can pick one area. Get rid of the hum. Say, take out this. 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 Uh, I believe it's called a music frequency. You can get rid of the hiss. The hiss, exactly. But can you get rid of the peanut butter on the streetcar? Mm. The peanut butter <laughs> in the streetcar. One of the great Aesop fables. Now, one one of the things I need to say right before we start, or uh, is that um, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, last night I was eating. I, I, I was eating some food, <laughs> and uh, and and my and I broke my tooth off again. I, I wasn't gonna. I was gonna. I was gonna write it off to peanut butter, and mm. then I was gonna ask if you had your. Uh, well, you had your uh, your orthodontures all done, right? You said you're done with that. Yeah, but now I now I'm missing my tooth again. That one tooth. The one tooth. The the one. Uh, oh no. <clears throat> the one my my Achilles tooth. I'm so sorry, John. Does that that must feel weird to have that back? By by back, I mean not not there. Back back being not there. It's uh it's not that weird. It's, I'd be running my tongue over it all the time. Yeah, I'm doing that. But I did that. I did that when I had a fake tooth in there. But hmm. anyway, I'm I'm noticing I'm noticing I don't have the plosive power that I normally have when I when I say words that start with F, like fake tooth. You hear you hear the. F. It's like I, uh. I've lost I've lost some of my F power. Right. No, so, soup, uh, no soup for you. That's we right. should. We should. Hmm, maybe we should try to avoid words that start with that letter. Hmm. Or you no, know what? You're John no Roderick. F's. You're fucking John Roderick. You should drive that train right into the uh, right into the tunnel. Maybe we should just really hit the F's hard. <laughs> All right. Let's, yeah. You know what? You know. You know what? Let's try and use as many F words as we can. Now, hmm, I, I, I think I, I, I think I've asked you about this, but it's worth sharing with our audience. I'm curious. Now, for those who don't know, John, uh, John, you have, as I've memory serves, it's. Like a whole like diagonal. It looks like somebody cut a peanut butter and jelly sandwich in half diagonally, except it's your tooth, right? You've you've got a whole like kind of half a tooth missing, right? No, no, I have an entire tooth missing. In fact, missing all the way. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it looks yeah. like a bad hobo costume. It's it's the it's the it's maybe the best hobo costume the world has ever known. In fact, I've <laughs> I've 
definitely thought about going down to Hollywood in this state and being like a little bit on the nose, probably. Like, listen, do you need do you need to cast someone who looks like he's not thriving right now? I am that actor. Yeah. Because I, boy, that's so easy for me. It's kind of a running joke with a lot of my friends that I, you know, look homeless, which is, you know, like uh, I have a home. And, yeah. and, and I, seriously, let's come, come back to this. I want us to have a, start having a lot more nuance because I think that term is abused. Hmm. And, we uh, have, uh, yeah, well, I, I think you're right. I think nuance oh, it's a huge is difference. Is it, I'd like to, is okay, I want to write that. I'm going to capture that here that we're going to come back to uh, hobos, bums, mm-hmm. hobos. But let's, um, let, let, let's shoot for nuance. I'm going to, uh, while you're writing that, I'm going to take side of this sandwich. Yeah, go right ahead. Does it hurt? It doesn't hurt. Does it hurt? Is it exposing nerve? Oh, it doesn't hurt. No, doesn't there's hurt. no tooth there. No tooth. And so no there's tooth, no there. nerve. Yeah. Nothing there. Muppet. Hobos, bums, homeless, and street rats. <sighs> okay. Um, now, the thing you- about a typical street rat is... They're going to lose one of their eye <laughs> teeth. You sure this is a good time? <laughs> Well, you were talking. You were uh, you were writing a card, so I thought maybe I'd have a uh-huh. <clears throat> another bite of the sandwich. Oh man, are you going to hear it this week? <laughs> um, now you lost that tooth quite a while ago. You know they call that a crown. Is that what they call what they put in there? What do they call the thing they put in a bridge? What do you have? What, what is it you haven't lost besides the tooth? Have I not? Have I not told you this, this whole uh, exasperating story? Uh, is this the story that I think it is that I've been wanting to hear for a long time? It could it could be. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'd like to hear that story. I'm going to write that down. I'm going to mm-hmm. write down that one story. Um, my question to you is this, and, and mm-hmm. I, I don't know, I'm sure most of our listeners at this point, like me, mm. like I, like most, myself. Most of, most, of our, most of our listeners do like you, Marlon. Thank you very much. Thank I you, John. You feel, I want you to know that, and I want you to Do you have any way of quantifying that? That's something, is that just a, a gut feeling? I feel like the number of tweets that I read that say, I love Merlin Mann, mm is a good indicator of how many people out there in the world love Merlin. Mann. I think we're on a different Twitter. <laughs> we should we should double check. I think a lot of your fans send me their appreciative tweets. That is so nice. Oh you my know, god. Like, we don't want to blow Merlin's mind. We no. don't want to you know, we don't want to bug him. We know he's busy, but Ugh, why don't only. we send why don't we send John Roderick some nice Merlin themed that must be bittersweet for you, John. On the one hand, you know we're pals. I like to think, and you, you look out for me and my, my welfare. You're happy to see me doing well, and are probably a little bit sad when I'm sad. But That's on the true. other hand, it must be a little bit galling because you, you know, it's uh, you know you shouldn't be uh, having to carry my mail. Certainly no, no, not no. My, my, my my theoretical fan mail. You got you. You should be the one receiving compliments. You're the one who's helping people. It doesn't. It doesn't bother me at all. In fact, not I, galling I, at all. In, in fact, I enjoy it because I. I hmm. My inbox is. Is so crowded with fan mail directed to me. That's a good point. It's nice to see fan mail directed to someone else every once in a while, just to just to realize that there are other people in the world. You've you've, you've taken a very a broad view uh, to this, and I, I just I'm very grateful for that. So here's the thing: uh, uh, like me and the people who love me, I think the world has finally. I, I'm going to guess you never expected this. I'm going to guess that you never expected how many people that should have known about your band, The Long Winners, a long time ago. It's, it turns out, surprising to learn how many people had not heard of the band or had not associated you with the band or that one song they heard in that one place. And I don't know if you see this on the Twitter that I get. I see a lot of people, because uh, that's my only means of interacting with people, is, uh, is that a lot of people now are, are like, they go out and they're like, oh my gosh, John has been helping me. 
and terrifying me with his train. And mm. now I just went on iTunes and I bought every Long Winters album and I can't stop listening to them. So yeah, that's lovely. It's, it is lovely. It is lovely. And now that we're done congratulating ourselves, my point being, I think for people who are new to the John Roderick scene, they may not realize that for a surprisingly long time, uh, you looked horrifying. Uh, no, in a good way. Like you had the one, the picture of you with my daughter that I treasure of the several that I have is mm. you really looking like a, something like a Memphis Yeti. Mm. You, you got, mm. you got creepy Elvis glasses. You have <laughs> like, when I say dishwater blonde, I mean, maybe like hydrogen peroxide in literal dishwater, uh, <laughs> to your shoulders. I, mm-hmm. as memory serves. And just to be clear, you got super creepy, smoky glasses. Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. real molesty. And then, uh, you're missing a tooth. Yeah. And you know, here's the thing. You rocked that look not for a week or a month. You didn't you didn't go buy some kind of putty at the fucking Walgreens. You tooth rocked putty. a fucking giant ass. You you were Santa with a missing tooth if memory serves. Yeah, for several years because I I felt I felt like uh <clears throat> Here's the thing. Mm. There are a lot of there are a lot of uh cosmetic improvements that one can make to oneself uh to mask the the um, inner <laughs> grotesquery, the, the, the inner the inner grotesqueness, and in my case, I, I arrived at a point where there just was there was not enough spackle on the earth to smooth out the cracks in me, and I just thought I would let it roll. I just I, you know for many many years during the grunge years when I was a, when I was a terrible person uh, and and uh, on drugs and doing uh, do, doing uh, like un un. Uh, Oh boy! Uncharitable? No, no, I was never uncharitable, but but um, but I I I just was not I was not uh, living a life that you could that that you could you could you could show to Saint Peter. Let's say I, I was not I was not living a I was not living a life that when <laughs> you they weren't opened, looking forward to that guy opening up the book and putting when on they his opened glasses. the book and they said, "Here we go, let's take a look at this." I was going to. I was going to be. I was going yeah. to be bashful. I was going to be touching my toes together and staring at the floor. It was not only that you were going to definitely go to hell, but it was going to take a really fucking long time. You yeah, had to were, sit there and listen they, to it. They were going to talk about a lot of stuff, and I was going to go. Oh, yeah, that, that. I yeah, forgot about that. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, no. I mean, yes, but come on. Give a, it was a the nineties. Got a guy some slack, but during that entire time, I looked like a cop. You know, like I was as I was as straight looking as a guy could be. I had short hair. I was, I was fresh faced. I had, you know, I had blue eyes that that looked innocent. I mean, I would go to I would go to situations all the time where I would walk in the door and some guy uh, dressed all in black, sitting behind a table covered with drugs, would stand up and yell at the guy who brought me. Why did you bring a cop here, man? <laughs> and then I would have to stand there in the doorway while, you know, while everybody jumped out the windows and my friend was like, no, 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 man. I know him. I know him. He's cool. He's cool. I was like, I was the, I was the undercover cop that everybody could <laughs> And by cool, you mean he stole every pill in his house. <laughs> <clears throat> Has your job gotten hotter than fresh pump chili? Tired of kissing the wrong bird? Mired down by your manager's fear of even the slightest frisson in corporate discourse? Well, you're not alone. Igloo Software understands your pain. Igloo helps you work better with other people by keeping your team, your files, and your conversations together in one digital workplace. You can even work from home in your all-together, sealed-to-your-red-leather chair just steps away from all your favorite globes, candlesticks, and cowboy boots, as you do. So go to igloosoftware.com slash findyourduck and sign up for your free 30-day trial. Bring your team in from the cold by getting inside the Igloo. 
In any case, <laughs> so, this might be diarrhea medicine. It might be digitalis, <laughs> but you never know. It might be a Benny. <laughs> never know. <laughs> so many, many years later, when all of that behavior came home to roost, which is to say that the that the the decisions I made during my youth, when I felt that I was going to live forever and that nothing could ever hurt me, all those things were saving up their consequences for. Right about the time I turned 40. And basically the day I turned 40, everything that was in me that was held together with with bailing wire and toothpaste, it all broke at once. My tooth fell out and, you know, my knees gave out and my, it, it, it was a, it was a catastrophe. And now I'm living, now I'm living in the post consequences world where I realized that everything you do in your youth, just lights a fuse. All the all the uh, all the scars, they just they just wait, kind of dormant, until there 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 just comes that one moment where all your connective tissue stops working, and you're and you're just a you're a pile of bones. This is this is three three or four years ago. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So so I I knocked out my front tooth a half a dozen times. Um. But it finally had no. There, there, there was. It finally was so uh, corrupted. So it had been broken so many times that there was nothing left to cap, and they had to just extract this this little bit of a root that was left. Oof. And most people you see who are missing a tooth, they their eye tooth is gone because they were using it to. They were using their tooth to check the veracity of a gold coin or something, <laughs> but. You don't see a lot of people <clears throat> whose main front, the the largest tooth in their in their face, the most visible one, their main front tooth, is missing. That is not a that's not a a charming missing tooth. That's much more of a like, um, that you have been drinking hairspray, <laughs> kind of missing tooth. <laughs> so uh, every it's so a, one, it's a it's a poor judgment space. That's right. That's what that's what's so interesting. And if you think for one fucking second you're getting away from this, you're not, because this is really super interesting. <laughs> um, but it's this is going to sound strange, but it's almost shockingly medieval mm-hmm. in, in a way. A, a feeling of going like, oh my gosh, there's all of this shit inside of me, and all of this fake connective tissue holding me together. And believe me, brother, I understand. Yes. Um, there's all this inside of me, but I can shave, and I can put on a tie. Or I can do whatever. I can become this shockingly normal-looking person who's quivering inside. Yeah. But then you lose your fucking front tooth, and you know when I say medieval, it's you know there's almost this idea of well, you know, you think about a time even what in the 1600s where you would try and make a lady float to see if she was a witch or whatever. There's there's <laughs> these there's this weird um, Theodoric of York feeling about like there was a time when you really thought that you could look at somebody and tell a lot about their morality, you know. Sure, or phrenology. I mean, <clears throat> phrenology. If, sure, if, like did, 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 they they got the plague and they didn't. Like, if, so, if somebody was running their hands over my head trying to d- discern my character, mm-hmm. uh, it would be like running. I mean, running your hands through my hair is like running your hands over a model train set. I mean, there are so many crisscrossing scars uh, uh, on my scalp, <laughs> and and various like you know places really? where from yeah, from, from traumatic uh, in- injury. Yeah. No shit. Yeah. Did I ever tell you about the time I got I got jumped by three guys with axe handles? 
I don't think you have. That sounds yeah. like an Alaska story. No, no, that happened in Seattle. No way. But, uh, but you know, so so when I shave my head, boy, I look like, uh, you know. Um, I look like George the Animal Steel. You got that, that whole bumpy <laughs> topography thing going on? I do. And, you know. All the wrestlers home, used to cut themselves. That's why they're so scarred. They'd cut themselves with a tiny bit of razor blade to get all that bleeding oh, going. right, to get the face bleeding. On your, yeah. if, you do, if, you, if you cut your eyebrow just a little bit, you know, any head wound, you bleed a lot. I don't mean to derail this with wrestling yeah. talk. No, believe me, I but know. I, <laughs> <laughs> hey, I've been to parties. <laughs> you got to have a distraction before you can get to the pills. <laughs> I want to talk about how much how much bleeding you do out of a head wound. I'm your guy. Um, so you shaved your head? No, I don't shave my head. No, no, I'm no. Just no I'm talking about the accident. Oh, okay. So the ax, but the accident incident. You were jumped, and when I hear the word jump, um, I think of you were sort of surprisingly attacked by by three guys at one time in a completely yeah. unfair fight. Yeah, that's that's kind of a description of what happened. I was um I was I was heavily intoxicated. And uh but I was intoxicated on a on a cocktail of intoxicants that made me a uh, very lucid while also being very intoxicated. Yuck. <laughs> I've been to and, that bar. And uh and I was on the street and these guys um these guys were, I I think this was during the era of gay bashing, oh. uh, when this was a when this was a thing that that people from the sticks uh, would come into town and gay bash, uh, and so I don't know why these guys were so heavily armed, but I was, in all honesty, I was standing on the street with a lighter lighting posters on a phone pole on fire and watching the posters burn <laughs> and i was was this were you uh, enjoying a hallucinogen uh, you know uh, uh, i'll get to i'll get to the i'll get to that part Sorry. of the story <laughs> first first the poster burning so i'm watching i'm just standing on this on this on the street uh watching uh, lighting posters on this phone pole on fire and uh, and a couple of cops pull up and they say hey knock that off and uh and i was like oh yeah man hey hey why 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 do you pigs have to like step on my scene or whatever it is that we however we talked back then and the cops were like listen if you don't knock it off i mean it was a it was a busy friday night and they're like we got shit to do that you you're you're small potatoes but if you don't knock it off we're gonna get out of the car and we're gonna we're gonna like put handcuffs on you and I was like, oh, sorry, sorry, I'm burning your phone pole, cop. And so I, I momentarily stopped, and the cops drove away. And then I immediately, like, started doing this again. And I don't know why. I was, I was, I was 22 years old. There's no excuse for standing on the street corner. This is the kind of petty uh, delinquency that a 13-year-old should have grown out of. But here I am, and I'm, I'm, I'm on a, a variety of intoxicants, and I'm, I'm lighting the phone pole on fire because it was fascinating to me. Suffice to say. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I stand out there. Here I am. I'm doing it a little bit longer. <clears throat> and all of a sudden there's these three guys and they have, uh, they have bats Ugh. and they're like, what are you doing, man? And I turn around, and I engage them in conversation. I'm like, I'm just lighting this phone pole on fire. And they're like, we'll fucking knock it off. And that was a challenge that I felt I really needed to I really needed to stand my ground because this was important work I was doing. And who are these three guys? 
to tell me to knock anything off. So I was like, you know, why don't you knock off telling people what to do? And I, I noticed that they have bats. I mean, I am, I am acutely aware, but I, but I also feel like I'm in command of this situation. And, uh, they kind of circle around me in a, in a triangular shaped grouping and I'm in the center of it. And I'm, I feel like I have this matter quite in hand <laughs> and I start to lecture them on how cities work <laughs> oh, God. and how phone poles are coated with creosote and so are inherently not flammable. And, um, at a certain point, they are no longer interested, and one of the guys that has circled around by, you know, they're just arguing, argumentatively arguing with me, uh, because they already know what they're going to do. <clears throat> and um, this was before I, this was before I had learned to protect my six. And somebody got got around behind me and just took a massive swing, like he was swinging for the outfield, and hit me on the back of the head with a with the what turned out later to be an axe handle. Oh my god. And then once I was down, all three of them just stood over me and just just pounded on me like they were tenderizing a side of beef. And at this point, I was uh, aware that I was in trouble. So I was yelling, and I was crawling to try and get under a car. And they were just going to town on me. Um, And they broke both my hands. Wow. And they, I mean, from top top to bottom, I was just, uh, I was just, uh, black, black and blue, but but mostly black. I crawled under this car, and some girl up the street started screaming. And eventually, somebody nearby screamed loud enough that these guys kind of took one last whack each and ran off into the dark. And uh, so then, the cops came back. The cops who had yelled at me. 10 minutes before came back and the aid car came and I was, I was laying there convinced that I was holding the, holding the back of my skull on. I had my my hands up and I was like, you know, I can't move my hands. And the aid car guys were like, you know, you gotta move your hands. We got to see what, what's going on. And I was like, no, I can't because if I do the back of my head's going to fall off. And the aid, aid car guys, you know, they were all shining lights in my face, and they were like, are you on any kind of drugs? I was like, mm, no, I just had a beer. And, you know, they're looking at my pupils, and they're like, mm, no, we need to, you need to tell us, like, what you're, what drugs you're on. And I'm like, mm, no, I just had, I just had a beer, but I can't move my hand because my, my, my head is, uh, is going to, you know, fall off or fall apart. So they take me to the hospital and the doctor in the emergency room again kind of says, listen, uh, we need to know what you're on. You're, you're obviously like on some drugs and we need to know what they are because we can't treat you. We can't give you more drugs unless we know what drugs you're on. We can't treat you unless we know what's going on. And I had it in my head that if you told a doctor that you had taken some drugs that that would somehow i still i still had it in my mind that my permanent record was something i need to be worried about you know like that i was going to that this was going to go down on my permanent record 
and I wasn't going to get into graduate school. Or I don't know what I thought my permanent record was, but I had I had grown up being told that your transcript was this thing you needed to worry about so much, and I I didn't want to tell some doctor in an emergency room uh, what drugs I was on because he was going to write it down on a piece of paper, and then it was then the then I uh, the CIA was never going to let me be the president of the United States. <laughs> And so I kept insisting that, no, I had only had a couple of beers. And so the doctor goes, okay, you know what, kid? That's fine. And he turns to the nurse next to him and he says, don't give him any anesthesia. And so they proceeded to sew up my head and my hands, which were, you know, they were, they were broken, but they were also like... I, I I think I showed you a scar on my finger one time where one of the one of the bats hit my finger as it was trying to protect my head, and the finger meat like squirted out the other side. Oh, God. So they had to push all that finger meat back inside and sew it up. And they they just did did it they did it all without even giving me a topical anesthesia. So I was just <laughs> sitting there being sewed like a like a like a rag doll like three different people running thread through me at a time. And then they rolled me out on a blood-soaked gurney into the hallway of Harborview Emergency Room. It was it's, Harborview is like the, the one level four trauma center in the Northwest, but it's also one of those hospitals where you, they'll roll you out into a hall and there'll be just kind of one light bulb flickering mm-hmm. up above you, like flickering and sometimes it goes out and then the power comes back on. <laughs> And the and the hallways are just on Friday and Saturday night. They're just full of people, like motorcycle wreck, gunshot wound, motorcycle wreck, gunshot wound. And so they roll me out into this hallway, and they just let me sit there as the as the blood on my gurney coagulates, while while people who are really in trouble are wheeled past me screaming. <clears throat> and I was on hallucinogens, among other things. And so it was. You, a, you were tripping while they were sewing up your head without anesthesia. Yeah, <laughs> it was a really, it was a hell of a night. Um, I really like. I, I learned a lot that night about about every about everything. Certainly about mortality. Right. But uh, but yeah. So that was that I, that was definitely. That was definitely when I started checking my six, if you know. What does that mean? Uh, Checking your six is like, um, it's fighter pilot terminology. It means look behind you. Uh, 12 12 o'clock is straight ahead and six is is 180 degrees behind you. Right. Check your six. So, yeah, I check my six now. And so should you, Merlin. I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about my six right now. (laughs) You should. Yeah. I try, right. not to think, I try not to think too much about my six, but that's probably a, a terrific reason to check it. Yeah, well, you don't want to. You don't want to get to a to a position where you're you're now forced to check your six. Do devil, dog, I, devil dogs? Do devil dogs count as six? <laughs> the devil dogs are on your six, and until uh, so you're checking your six because you know they're there. Okay, I understand. They they aren't my <laughs> they aren't my six per se because that's a notional concept. Right, but they they're hanging they're hanging by the six. They're on your six, yeah. Yeah, and so when you're when you're looking over your shoulder, I mean, it's why when I sit in a restaurant, when I go into a restaurant, I always like pick my seat rather judiciously. Mm-hmm. You're the one who taught Malcolm X this. 
That's you right. always sit where you can see the door. <laughs> That's right. You want to sit where you can see the door, but also sit where, like, you're not going to get, nobody's going to surprise you on your six. Uh-huh. I mean, you know, there, there can be people behind me. I just want to, I just want to know who they are. I just like the booth. The booth is nice. I like I pick a banquet over a chair, John. That, that's a uh, that's that's horrific. Um, and that's and not the, even that's not even how I lost my tooth. My tooth was yeah. in my head at that point. <laughs> <laughs> you still still had a couple more trips <laughs> before uh, things settled down. Yeah. Uh, until until about what point were things like that happening? About what era year? Uh, Nineteen ninety four was the last time. Um, I was, I was about to say 1994 was the last time I went to jail, but there were a couple of, there were a couple of things that hung out, a couple of, couple of bench warrants that were still periodically active into 1995. So I, so I, so I, so I went to jail, I went to jail on things that had happened before 1994 a couple of times when I like, because it took me, it took me a year or two to get. It took me a couple of years to get a fully functioning set of credentials, like your normal ID and stuff that would, and, and to have all that stuff cleared so that every time I got stopped by a cop, he didn't go, oh, hello, and pull me out of the car and take me downtown. There was one time they, they, they actually pulled one of those, uh, they pulled one of those, this is the, this is the thing that they're doing in cities now where they send, they send, Letters out to everybody that has an outstanding warrant that says, like, you won a thousand dollars. That that's from The Simpsons. That's not real. No, it really happened. <clears throat> come come and pick up your free boat. Is that <laughs> yeah. real? Yeah, and then everybody comes down and they're like, you're arrested. You're arrested. You're arrested. Like it, they to- they actually totally do that. And they they um, they got me. It was a legitimate. It wasn't a scam. It was a legitimate thing where I went into the to the comptroller's office trying to get $400 that somebody had one time a guy we were, I was driving in a car with a guy one time uh, over in Bellevue and he was an African American gentleman and we he and I were, had gone over there to go to the movies because they had a good movie theater and we were driving back through you know at night through Bellevue and we got pulled over and we weren't doing anything it was a case that my friend was convinced as it was happening that it was a case of them pulling us over because he was black and I was white and we were driving in a car. Right. That can't be up there. They're obviously up to no good. Something, something isn't right. Something's not Dutch with this. So the Bellevue cops pulled us over and I was like, what? That's crazy. And he's like, no, I swear to you, that's what's happening right now. I was like, Oh my God. And so the cop comes over and he's, he's very condescending to the driver, my friend, but everything checks out. And then the cop asks for my ID, at which point he finds that there's a warrant for my arrest. And so he very, he's very happy about this because to the policeman, it seems like a very ironic situation that the white guy is going to be the one that he's going to have to arrest. And he's, he's indicating this to us. Like he's, he thinks this is hilarious. <laughs> Look at this. Oh, he's having a little bit of racist O'Henry moment. Yeah, exactly. Look at this. It's the blonde kid that I'm going to arrest. What do you know? And, you know, and we're both like, mm-hmm. Mm. That's, that's hilarious. Quite piquant. And I, and I'm, and, uh, and I'm, I'm glad that I get to go to jail tonight to make, to, you know, to make this a story that you're going to tell this weekend at the bar. <laughs> and so 
uh, I go to jail, and my friend, whose name was Howard, I said to him as they're putting, as the cop is putting me in his car, I say, y- y- uh, "Here's my uh, ATM card. Go get the bail money, which is four hundred dollars." And so Howard goes and gets the bail money, but of course Howard, not having been through this before, bails me out under his name rather than because it was my money bailing me out under under my name or, or stipulating that that's oh, mine. Oh, so he's the one responsible for the recognizance or the... Well, I mean, so no. is, is it his? So bail, bail is a certain amount of money in as as an insurance that you will show up for court. Is the mm-hmm. idea right? Right, and no, he's not responsible for me. But if but they assume if he put four hundred bucks up, it's his money. He's going to make himself responsible. In this case, it was my money. I showed up for my court date, and so now I wanted my bail refunded. And they said, uh, oh, see. that's not your bail. That's Howard's That's Howard's money, and only Howard can come get the money. Well, suffice to say, Howard was kind of a preppy guy. And this experience of, of me getting arrested in his car kind of soured our, not, not, not soured our friendship, but it soured his interest in going with me to any more police stations or city courts or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And so Howard kept dodging my phone call. And, you know, and like, oh, yeah, totally. I'll help you do that. And then he would, then, then he'd disappear and I wouldn't hear from Howard for a long time. And this was at a time when $400 meant quite a bit, meant a lot to me. Anyway, I went down to the court one time to explain to them at great length that that was my money and not Howard's. They were... They were not interested in my story. And also, while I was there, they discovered another warrant. Oh, my God. But the woman behind the counter who discovered this did not... She was not empowered to arrest me. She can't, like, hit a button and some marshal comes out or something. Well, so what she did was she said, Oh, here's what you need to do. You need to go across the street to and hand me a card with an address on it. She said, You need to go across the street to this place, and they'll refund your money. <laughs> And I was like, "Wow, awesome! I, I like I, it. Finally worked. I, I, I finally, I finally met someone at at the at the uh, police department <laughs> who understands and who cares about me." And I was, and I I'm going to fill out a comment card on that I, gal. I thanked her profusely. I was like, "Ma'am, thank you for resolving this issue. This has been an albatross. This has been hanging over my head for for many months. I really appreciate your help." And she was like, "My pleasure." And I, I took the car and I walked out of the door of the courthouse. I walked up the street two blocks across the street to a storefront that was like kind of a, had frosted glass windows. And I was like, oh, this must be the city accountant's office or something. And I walked in the door and it's like the set of Barney Miller. <laughs> oh, no. There are, there are, it's a room with desks and a bunch of guys with, pistols uh and uh and like uh shoulder holsters with their jackets off sitting on the desks drinking coffee smoking cigarettes and chatting with each other central casting it really was and i walked in the door and i was like oh oh and they everybody in the room turns and looks at me and goes hey come on in buddy how's it going 
Good to see you. Like this is not the first time that somebody's somebody a young young man has wandered in, obviously not knowing why he's there. And this is this has happened before. Janice has done this before. Yeah, yeah. Every single person that walks in that door is is about to be arrested, and they didn't know it. This is the this is the gag, and I'm sure these guys all the time have to have to sprint down the street after somebody who turns around in the doorway and runs. And the, and I sit and they sit me down in a chair, and I'm like, oh man. God, what a rip! What a rip! And they're like, "Good to see you." Hey, uh, we got a computer printout here that says "blahdy blahdy blah." So anyway, that's that was a, it was a real, it was a real prank. Did you ever get your money back? <sighs> Never did. <sighs> and it's one of those things where uh, Howard is going to get a letter someday, uh, fifteen years from now, that says we have undiscovered monies for you and he's gonna be like what could this possibly be and he's not gonna remember it i have not spoken to howard in years that four hundred dollars is just that's i have just decided that that is four hundred dollars i'm never i'm not going to pursue i just want it to go out into the world and pay for some pay retribution in some way for some crime i committed against the city (laughs) or the people of the city of seattle it's like ben franklin says you know hit your child every day if if uh, you don't know what it's for they will <laughs> I'm sure you could find a good use for this. You yeah. could re- you could recreate this uh, this phone pole. If 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 nothing else, it's to pay for all the parking meters that I didn't put quarters in when I just ran into a drugstore or whatever. There's um there's gosh there's so many interesting threads to this. Um, I hope it's interesting. I think it's super interesting. I think people are going to uh, be uh, terrified by this. Um, but the um, you know there's that thing of you you were talking about you're worrying about your permanent record. Which I buy on one level, but there's also just this sense of like, um, you know, not evasion is the wrong word, but there's this sense of like, I'm running and I'm still running. And like, well, of course, I'm not going to tell them I'm tripping. Like, I'm not right. fucking stupid. I may be high, but I'm not high, you well, know? It, but, the, but the permanent record thing has had a, had a more profound effect on me than, than, uh, than it might be obvious. Really? Like, because, all I was going to say, though, was like, I, like we, the same thing as the $400. There's times when a roll of quarters makes all the difference. I mean, big time. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, and, and so, I mean, but there's this, this ongoing thread of like, again, your, 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 your body's like all mostly held together. You're walking around. You're kind of keeping it together on some level. You're not like, you know, chained in a dungeon somewhere. But like, yeah, you're out and about. But at the same time, like you're on the edge and you're going to be always looking for that tiny little adjustment that keeps you free and moving and you know, drunk or whatever uh, right. over the thing that's going to take you the other way. And that's, that's absolutely true, but it becomes but a habit. A, it becomes a habit. There was a simultaneous narrative going on in my head, my whole life that was instilled by my, my, by my father primarily because my dad was a politician. My uncle was a politician. My great uncle was a politician. My great uncle who raised my dad, um, they were all politicians and, their ambition for me was to also be a politician and to, and I think to be finally a, a, like a politician on a national scale. Like these guys were all local politicians hmm. in the Northwest and they were <clears throat> in the back rooms smoking cigars and handshakes and making the, making the port run and, um, you know, and trading suits and tires with each other. <laughs> but, they had, had ambition for me that I would go on to national office and that that would somehow validate our political dynasty. Um, oh, you're like the, um, not Jack, 
not Ted. You're like the the good Kennedy. You're like the Joe. Kennedy that Joe. Just, he he died in the war, right? Joe died. Joe died in the war. But Joe was like the chosen one. He was the one that that yeah. uh, was going to be big. He was anointed, and Joe died in a suicide mission. You told me about this. With the, yeah. they, they fucked him over with his uh, aircraft, right? No, I don't think they fucked him he over. He knew it what was, he was getting into. It was one of those like we don't know what happened, but he was in a he was in a bomber right, right, right. loaded with explosives. That his job was to fly it over and and like bail out of it after he pointed it at a at a what a dam i don't re- i don't remember what what his what this bu- he, i think it was a dam he was he was is this taking in, this, is in europe it was in europe yeah he was flying a bomber loaded with explosives and he armed the bombs he armed the explosives after he was over the english channel and either either slipped on a banana peel and pushed the wrong button or <laughs> Somebody in one of the, I think he was, he had, there was a chase plane that was supposed to, after he bombed, after he dived out, the chase plane was supposed to follow the bomber down and whatever, maybe there was a short in the electrical system, but the thing blew up into a million, billion, trillion pieces in the midair. What a failure on so many levels. Yeah. I mean, it's such such a chicken shit thing to do, but then it's also, I mean, I don't know, who am I to say? I'm not, I'm not in the service, but like, then it's also like, God, what a waste of a dude and like, what a, what a, what a waste of a plane. Mm Mm-hmm. What a Doesn't, waste of all those bombs. Yeah, I mean, you could have put those bombs to good use. I mean, that is a, that's a, it's a non-civilian. It is a strategic target to hit a dam, I guess. Oh, yeah, big deal. It's a, hitting a dam is a big deal in a war because it's all, it's all that electri- electricity and plus oh, it's, right. you know. But, and, 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 if you, and the dam will send a big tidal wave down the valley that can, and particularly if you believe the plot of Force 10 from Navarone. That's with Harrison Ford, right? Yeah, That's the, a good the, movie. the water from the dam can knock out the bridge where the Germans are coming across to attack the partisans. See, now that you get a twofer. That's a twofer. Okay, so you were Joe. You were going to be. Now you're talking. There's there's oh, a oh, jo, right. there's so, Joe Senior, and you're talking about you were going to be Joe Junior. I was going to be Joe Junior, and, and so anyway, even at the even at the point when I was living very much in a kind of hand to mouth uh, or like hand to drugs to mouth way, uh, there was always a. a a narrative in the back of my head that I needed to protect my reputation because I needed to be able to, because when they investigated me for top secret clearance, right? I needed to be able to pass uh, because I was one day going to be a United States Senator. And these two, these two totally incompatible narratives, the one where I was like, uh, scrounging in the carpet for uh, invisible crack rocks that I might have that I might have dropped and ended up you know smoking somebody's dog dander because I was sure that it was some kind of drugs that had fallen in the carpet. That narrative simultaneous with this, but I can't let anybody know because I'm going to be a United States senator one day. It, 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 there, there's a there's still a version of it in me now, and I and I know. I think about this sometimes that I'm on record and the the problem would not be that I'm now on record admitting to having done a, uh, a, a cornucopia of drugs, literally a horn of plenty a of big drugs. Thanksgiving decoration <laughs> full of drugs. Some of which people have never even heard of <laughs> full of yams and mini pumpkins and, uh, and bags oh, God, of pure John. squeak. Uh, all, you know, I did, I did every kind of squeak. What squeak? Well, no, no, I'll look it up later. Yeah, I told you. But anyway... It's not, uh, it's not it's the cornucopia itself is not the problem. The admission of cornucopia. 
Well, but even but but that isn't even the primary problem. The primary problem for me being elected to the United States Senate is that I have, that I have gone on record a thousand times saying uh, Seattle is a dumpy little shithole, and uh, and uh, people who believe in God are dumbasses, and um, you know that uh, uh, everybody that doesn't know how to drive in snow should be ta- lined up against a wall and shot, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> so that storming if, the embassy. If, if there, there if, are numerous, there are numerous, numerous closets with numerous bones. Yeah, if if an opposition researcher was was given the task, <laughs> Vet, dig like, up some, <laughs> or like vetting you. I'm just imagining the process of vetting you, like where the, the guys in the back room with the cigars are like, "We gotta look at this, John Morgan Roderick. I think he could be a fella." <laughs> let's run, let's run some basic checks. Holy shit! Holy shit! <laughs> That's like, a fucking cornucopia. <laughs> yeah, an opposition researcher would be rolling on the floor laughing within 30 <laughs> seconds of trying to dig up some dirt on me because how am I going to run for how am I going to run for office in Seattle? having said all the things that i've said well you're just pointing out all the ways that you could help it's a you know it's like my mom would say when i got a c minus you know it's room for uh opportunity to uh, improve well and it's uh, what i would do and what i've always imagined is what bill clinton should have done when they asked him whether or not he'd uh slept with monica Lewinsky. Mm -hmm. you know i i i never understood why he didn't look why he didn't face down the cameras and say listen that's not not none of anybody's business Next question. Instead, instead of instead of falling instead back of, on parsing words, yeah, instead very, of hemming and hawing and saying like, "Well, you know, like that, there, there is, there will come a time, and and we've already seen it with Barack Obama's admission, not only of having smoked marijuana, but have done cocaine, and he, you know, he admitted to it in his book, and then he said, "It's a, it's not a pertinent question. It's." Not, it doesn't bear on my ability to govern. Next question. Right. And if Bill Clinton had just said, that's not anybody's business. And if they had continued to throw questions at him, just said, all right, the press conference is over. I'll be back when you can figure out, I'll I'll be back when you, the press corps have grown up enough that you can figure out some reasonable questions to ask the president of the United States. Goodbye. Right. And if he had just (laughs) come back when you're ready to ask a grown up question about running the world. Yeah, because what 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 ended up being Clinton's undoing was not that he slept with Monica Lewinsky, but that he lied about it. Mm-hmm. And so there will come a time. Well, so he lied about it in an age where the lying about it was not something that he could count on everybody to, to help him paper over. We okay. were it was okay for us to not make a big deal of how much help Roosevelt got walking up to the lectern, and we had our reasons. Right. right there was there was just a kind of decorum at the time where you know Kennedy got so much more tail than Clinton. Don't you think? I mean, Ken- oh, the, Kennedy the, had a lot of lot of intercourse. The the problem with Kennedy wasn't that he <clears throat> wasn't just that he had intercourse with, or that he had that he made Congress with a lot of young ladies. Mm-hmm. But Kennedy was completely doped up twenty four hours a day because of the was Addison's disease. Yeah, I mean, he was in he was in excruciating pain. He right. could barely he could barely walk, and Doctor Feelgood was shooting a cocktail of amphetamines. That's the, that's, that's the other cover up thing that's so interesting that Joe I think didn't have didn't he have a big role in that of like nobody ever finds out that like yeah. every every place the president ever goes is is full of all kinds of drugs for helping him get by, but then all kinds of stuff in case he just goes tits up. Right. And that that's a serious security risk during like the the uh, Cuban Missile Crisis. Like this would have been right. nice to know. Yeah. Well, and uh, I mean, 
if you if you think about now, uh, like John John Kennedy would not only would he never be elected president of the United States, but John Kennedy from a very young age would have been treated as a special little flower who needs who, who needs a, a little cup with his medication in it every day at lunch and every day you know like John Kennedy would, right like also uh, it, he'd be seen as kind of a fag because he yeah, wrote books if, he wrote if, books if, and stuff if, too if he you wrote... think about who John Kennedy was he is entirely the product of a being bullied by his father and his older brothers and of course we've made that illegal now you can't bully a kid and and also he was frail and teased and so he, you know, he fought and fought and fought against being frail and and uh, sick and bullied, and he became president of the United States. But that we've made all those things illegal now. So well, John, he got he got a lot of help. John Kennedy would be he got a lot of help getting into office. Right, right now he'd be somewhere writing on his blog mm-hmm. about his struggles with the, uh, you know, with his struggles to get get the right. Uh, ADD cocktail. Yeah. And yeah, uh, that's true. Never, yeah. Yeah, but, but I mean like, there's case. a lot of people there's a lot of there's a lot of uh people in their fifties in the South right now riding around on boats that their sheriff grandfathers got bought <laughs> with Joe Kennedy's money. <laughs> oh, don't worry, that's gonna be fine. You're you're gonna you're gonna carry East Buttfuck <laughs> County, no problem. Uh, they're all nicknamed Gator. It's a <laughs> <laughs> the other gator. Um, here's the problem. It's uh, 47 uh, minutes and uh, 56 seconds too late to make this a funny show. But like, this is the thing, and this is why I think the Senate might be a waste of your time, but it's certainly why you should be in special forces. It's certainly – you being elected, I think, is probably just a bad idea for a variety of reasons. Well, well no, I think, it's, I think it would be a tremendous idea. The problem is that, one, that but you, in order, you gotta get elected. You should, in order the, to the get elected. The problem is you've got to have stupid people like you. Yeah, but stupid people have always liked me. Hmm. Are you kidding me? Is that yeah, right? Stu- Stupid people think I'm hilarious. You feel like you really get on with stupid people. I mean, I can get on with all kinds of people. Is that because you adjust? Now you don't. You don't adopt a patois, but do you feel like you adjust? Are you able to convincingly, uh, what squelch down your Weltanschauung when you need to? I, I think it has to do with um, understanding for spending a lot a lot of time trying to understand someone who does not want to make. A, a mental effort, but prefers to make an emotional effort. To, pr- prefers to to interact with the world strictly on a kind of like immediate emotional basis, mm-hmm. and not sit and think about even the basic building blocks of of what what their experience is, but just mm-hmm. react to it emotionally and immediately. And I've tried to I've spent my taking my, like in, in, one, in a simplified version taking. Taking many things at face value without considering, like in my case, one of my obsessions is what is, whether it's a compliment or an insult or, to be honest, guys with uh, axe handles, like mm-hmm. what's really going on there? Like yeah. what, what is being said and what's being not said? The whole time you're telling that story, I'm, all I could see was scared guys. Like those yeah. aren't real tough guys. Like real, real tough guys wouldn't need three of them in axe handles. Right. Like they were scared and they kept hitting you after they couldn't stop because now their adrenaline was high and they realized they could do it. Yeah, and they weren't listening to me as I was patiently explaining to them all the reasons why me lighting this poster on fire, A, wasn't their business, and B, wasn't really a problem. There's no reason that you guys couldn't have just found something to do together as a project. <laughs> right. <laughs> the, I mean, I think the, the Venn diagram for that, you certainly didn't have time to draw it, but I mean, like that would, there was a lot more to it. Yeah, let's, let's, why don't the four of us take these bats and this lighter mm-hmm. and go like make a, make a fire somewhere. Stone make, soup, right? 
Yeah, have some fun. But in and, your case, and, like if you get, but the dumb people thing, the dumb, I hate to say dumb. I mean, you know, uh, the stupidly abled mm-hmm. are, uh, uh, I think it's, it's not, it feels to me like from a remove, it feels like even with my friends who are really, really smart and are so into the politics, you know, they're, they're so, Smart people, let me just stipulate. But yeah. along the line, especially in politics, there's just so much branding and looking for somebody that says something you can agree with without doing any of your due diligence on how that, you know, comports with what they've done in their life. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And like, you're, you're not out there going like, well, here's a chart showing like what I should say this week. You would be somebody who could go out there and say like, believe me, I understand being fucked up. I've been pretty fucked up. Not- well, that, that, but also, I mean, <clears throat> all politics is local is the, is the phrase. And one of the things that I learned growing up in, uh, surrounded by people in politics was that the, the, y- 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 you get so, you get so much of, of, of what is, what ultimately is national politics, what ultimately is all this, like, what are we going to do with our bodies? What are we going to do with this? What are we going to do with that? That these different versions of, uh, of what we imagine is government. And it all comes down to ultimately different ideas of, of like land use policy. You know, it all comes down to zoning in a way. And zoning is a way that you can right. really get inside your neighbor's heads. And zoning is a way that you can start to understand why stupid people are so mad all the time. Because when you're trying to govern a city, you're looking at zoning and you're saying, this is going to be our business district this area over here is these are going to be farms and if a guy wants to build a skyscraper out here on a farm we're not going to let him do it because we don't have the infrastructure there that's not where you get to build skyscrapers right we're we're confining the skyscrapers to downtown well so the guy that owns the farm says who the hell are those guys downtown to tell me i can't build a skyscraper here uh, it becomes not so much about skyscrapers as this this larger states rights <laughs> issue. Well, it, it comes to states rights issue. Not states and rights, but you know what I mean. That's exactly states rights. Like no, the states rights in the coded sense of I'm in the South and nobody's going to fucking tell me what to do. Right, and that happens everywhere you go. And watching it here in Seattle, where for a long time there was no there was no zoning, and people were just going out and they were buying 500 acres of farmland right on the edge of town, and they were building a cookie cutter development as fast as they could nail it up Mm -hmm. until there were no farms left. And so the city, so everybody's complaining to the city. Why why are you letting them do this? They're ruining the city. And so the city says, okay, uh, you can't do that anymore. You can't, you can't, we're going to preserve that farmland and we're going to concentrate development downtown. Well, instantly every farmer, within 400 miles of Seattle was infuriated. Right. Not, be, not because most of them ever intended to build a subdivision on their farm, but because the city had just taken away that possibility. But it's, in a way, it's like passing a law that says it's illegal. It's still legal for you to win a lottery up to $117, but you're not allowed to win a lottery over $15 million. Right? Think about that for a second, right? You go to somebody, you know what? Here's the thing. You can keep playing for somebody. But if you say to somebody, whoa, 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 nobody's going to take away my right to win 170, you know, millions and millions and millions of dollars, even though there's no fucking way in the entire world that they're ever going to win the lottery. The fact that you've taken away their right to do that and are compelling well, them and, to be small potatoes is, is philosophically at, at odds with, with those folks now. Well, not just that, but, but 
you're at, you're going to if you went to each one of these farmers and you sat down in their living room and you said, "Listen, do you want to see a world where there are no more farms?" <laughs> they would say, "Of course not." Right. It's just like selling somebody a vacuum cleaner. You just get them to say yes five times, and somewhere around the seventh or eighth time, they will buy a fucking vacuum cleaner. As long, they've gotten so used to saying yes. Would you say that the life of your children is more important than the fat cats on Wall Street? Oh my God, yes. What the fuck does that even mean? Right. So, and 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 people use that same sentence to sell both political views. Absolutely, you know? absolutely. But, but but if you go to if you go to an American and you say, we do you want to see the death of the family farm in your lifetime? They're all going to say no. But if you say, okay, in that case, we're, we have passed a law that you can no longer develop your property, they're going to say, well, I want that line drawn right on the other side of me. You know, sure. I want that restriction placed right on the other side of my opportunity to develop my farm and make $100 million, even if I never do it. How many people would stop to think that if you really wanted to keep family farms alive, you probably shouldn't let fucking skyscrapers be built on them? Right. Or now it's just not a like, family farm anymore. <laughs> just like if you agree, if we agree, you're going to have to make this sacrifice. We all make sacrifices. You as a farm owner are going to have to make this sacrifice. And that's the point at which right. most people don't want to be the one. And, and most people walk away from that encounter, not thinking about the big picture, but saying to themselves, and this is the narrative of the whole of, of all conservatism, which is why am I the one that has to make the sacrifice? Right. If you listen to anyone uh, on the conservative spectrum talk about being asked to make sacrifices, they all they all speak about it in language as though they are the only one who ever had to make a sacrifice. And so so that's the difference between, you know, that that is where local politics expands to national politics and that is a that is a world I've spent my whole life trying to understand. So I feel like I could I could I could easily uh run for office and at least make myself understood to those people because I, because I understand I can put myself, any of us can put ourselves in those shoes of feeling like that kid on Christmas morning and all of your brothers and sisters got a present, but the family ran out of money and you're the one that doesn't get one. Right. Well, you know. well at the risk of falling into this, uh, you know, what Lakoff identifies in that, and I don't think of an elephant book, the conservative model of government as a family or nation as a family, you know, that that's, that's a paradigm that was very effective. Like, you don't tell, I don't need a permission slip to invade Afghanistan or, sorry, Iraq, so forth. But I mean, I think that family thing, think of it this way, this is where that becomes valuable to me, is like, Imagine, like, if you were a parent and you had, God forbid, you had a bunch of kids under the age of six. Like, mm. do they get to vote about whether you're going to have M&Ms for dinner? Like, do they get a vote in that? Well, what you say to them is, and this, at least this gets it to mind. depends on how liberal you are. Because <laughs> I know a lot of... I have a as lot long of, as you like, bring your own bag. A lot, of hippie, a lot of hippie parents around here in Seattle that are like, you want to eat a stick of butter for dinner? Voting okay. rights. As long as it's vegan butter. It's made out of spider sugar. The um, no, but I guess what I'm saying is this, I'm making a, a terribly mixed metaphor here. But but you know what I want is a candidate, and I've seen this. I feel like sometimes in people like Barney Frank or like people not just not because of the gay part, but because of the straight talking part, the occasionally straight talking part. But I love a politician where. So one of my values, if it is a value, it's at least a value in the sense of I know when I'm fucking up at it, I think, and I definitely see when other people are fucking up at it. It's like everything that you are – you're green. Okay. You're green for what cost to you. Right. Not, no, no, no. Not, not green for like how much money it saves you, right? And this is why my bit with the fucking hotels, you go in and every single thing they do to be green uh-huh. saves them money. 
Right, and if it does wanted, not save you anything, or well, it just absolutely, your or, or more more saliently to this point, if if they wanted to be green, why don't they spend whatever it takes to become become completely solar? Like or or whatever. Why don't you? What what would it cost? Not for you just to get more insulation to save you money. I get it, but you don't get to call yourself green just because you save money. You get to call yourself green when you give things up, mm-hmm. including mm-hmm. money, including money. And that's the thing in fucking politics that drives me bananas. There's two things in politics. First of all, politics as pro wrestling, it is about as valuable to follow politics as it is to follow pro wrestling. If you enjoy <laughs> it, you should do it. If you care, fucking change it yourself. Get out there and be a man about it. Don't worry about Twitter. You don't have time for Twitter. You got to go change the world. Go. Mm-hmm. Go. Now, here's the second one. And the second one is what the fuck did you give up because you're X? So if you really care a lot about anything, I want to know what you gave up for that. Not just even money. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and that's where the parent part of it comes in. Cause somebody comes up and goes, what about the values of the green spaces or what, what are we going to do for our children in the, in the schools? And the, it's like, I want to have a politician who can fire straight back at that person and say, well, that's an excellent question. Let me ask you what you're willing to pay for that. Right. And let me show you. Here's the way it works. We have this much pie, and we can cut it up in all kinds of ways. But every day, I spend every day figuring out who to disappoint least today right. while helping the most people. And just because you you stood up there with your little fondy bag and give me some remarks about, you know, I want somebody that can fucking take that person down and say, here's why we do that. And there have been people like, I think, you know, Harvey Milk was kind of like this. You get, mm-hmm. you get to, maybe it's all just gay politicians. Well, no, but, <laughs> but you, somebody you, straight talking who can say, here's what that co- costs, child. The problem when we with do that, that, though, is that, that, that you do get politicians like that, like Chris Christie or even Mitt Romney with his 47% comments. It's just that. As soon as you start, quote unquote, straight talking with people, you start saying things that, you know, the, the opposition is like, here he goes. I mean, you, you, you see straight, uh, the, the, the gift is to be able to say those things in a way that, where, where you don't end up hanging by your own rope, you know? Well, and straight talk, straight talk, first of all, what passes, I'm going to shut up after this, who fucking cares, because I just don't care about politics, but what passes for populism today really bugs me, because it is the kind of populism that basically says if there's any other single person in the world that has the tiniest thing that you don't, whether you want it or not, like, they're a dick, and you're awesome, and you're, you're a fucking martyr. Yeah. And that drives me, that is not populism. That is just selfish and stupid and provincial behavior. Like, everybody's got problems. And if when you grow up, you realize that everybody's got different problems and you can't always understand other people's problems. But that is exactly the kind of attitude that opens us up to these charlatans and to well, all of these people who can sell us on that emotion without ever causing us to think a little more. Well, what do they have to gain by saying those precisely words? precisely populism. That's always been popular. Really? You think so? Andrew Jackson ran a campaign based on... Even more. Somebody who drops their G's and tugs their suspenders and says, oh, gosh, oh, golly, and makes it sound like a your regular dude, and I get you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, populism is, by, by, by its very definition, an appeal to the, the basest emotions of the largest number of uninformed people. There is no, I mean, I, there is no populism that isn't, that isn't gross, ultimately. And the, and the, the, the problem is, uh, I mean, we, we were all raised to think that one day through education we were going to create a nation of philosopher kings where everybody was going to be hyper informed and we were all going to sit around uh re- reading alexander dumas and talking about <laughs> uh talking about like uh, the, the 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 rarefied little adjustments we needed to make to our finely oiled you know complete perfect democracy right 
And in fact, education has, dare I say it, not produced this situation. And as as we hurdle forward, we we have a we have a we have a a, a, a mass electronic communication system that has produced the the um, the appearance of information, and we have. 200 million people in America who feel like they are informed because right. they because they are being told things all day they're they're watching and listening to people telling them things and they see it with their own eyes and they believe that they have I mean at least in 1830 you had people out plowing the fields and if you came up to them and said well, what do you think about this they'd say listen I've never heard of it I don't know what you're talking about like I have two books in the house the bible and the other bible <laughs> and, and that's all I know, you know? Right. but now you walk up to to the to a person with a with almost no capacity to be interested in things enough to self educate themselves beyond just the thinnest like one molecule deep understanding of things, but they know. They know one molecule deep about one million things because they're watching it on TV. They know who won the Oscars. Right. They know, you know, they know the the, the they know that Scoochie just had a baby or whatever in New Jersey. Um, <laughs> Good for Scoochie. <laughs> you know, Scoochie is my favorite character on that show. Sure, that one with she, the, uh, the one with the uh, people. Yeah, the 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 show about them uh, with the they're yeah, doing their thing, and so she just had a baby, and everybody knows all this stuff. Oh yeah, and who's Oscar Wilde? You know, people cynic is someone who knows the the price of everything and the value of nothing, and that's why it reminds me so much of sports. Is that people people who feel extremely well informed about politics by tuning into the people that they nominally agree with, and by basically reading the sports scores, it does not make you an effective part of the body politic. It makes you a sports fan. It makes you somebody who knows the box scores and who's leading in the National League Eastern division. And you know who is you know two and a half games ahead and you know that this guy, you know, is going to have ACL surgery. Well, that doesn't make you a fucking expert. And it doesn't, it doesn't, it does, you know what I mean? It's like, once you need to get past this point of seeing these, these two pro wrestlers as the answer to any problem. You know, I mean, like, it's just not how it works. It's, and it's, anyway, and I guess the reason I'm so cranky or defensive about it is I, I need a John Roderick. Mm. I need somebody to make me care about politics and to be willing to bring my bag, or, or, or for that matter, demand a bag, depending on, on how it works out, according to you. <laughs> and I defer to you on this. But, you know, it just, it just drives me bananas that I, I, I feel like amongst my friends, I'm the one who's the dick because I'm seeing the matrix, you know? Yeah. And, and boy, if you say anything about that to people, they get so mad. I remember, I remember, man, it wasn't very long ago at all in the election cycle. Really, let's say halfway through, let me say about 2010 when the Democrats got their asses handed them. And yeah. I've said this maybe twice. How are those hope posters working out for you? Because yeah. he's a fucking human being from Chicago who's a good man. He seems like a good man, but he's a fucking politic from, he's a politician from Illinois with yeah. not that much experience. People get mad though. Can you imagine being on a poster? Like, Sarah like Palin kind of said the same thing, and, that, and they, they, they're not listening to what you're saying. They're just hearing you say something that sounded like something she said. Well, I'm, well what I'm saying is that like, I would never have a poster of a lawyer with the word love on it. <laughs> because that's not why I hire a lawyer. 
Thank you. I don't. I don't. I don't go out and hire a hitman for the mob because he talks about his feelings. Like yeah. I want a president. I want fucking well, excepting Vietnam. I want a Lyndon Johnson in there. I want somebody with a good Rolodex who knows how to knows how to kick somebody's ass and knows how to order a pair of pants so his balls are comfortable. That's but what as, I want. As we as we get as we get except deep, for deep, deep, I gotta say deep, except for Vietnam. Vietnam was a problem. I just want to stipulate. As we get deeper and deeper into the into this experiment of of pure democracy and um, america is an ongoing experiment it's 200 years in and it keeps it keeps sort of rewriting its own rule book but it is unprecedented in human history that there was ever a nation like this that was ever governed like this and as we move forward we we keep thinking that america is a thing that once was perfect and we are corrupting it or America was on a path to being perfect, and we have gone off the path. Right. But in, in fact, America is this, this petri dish that all the world is watching, and the world isn't watching... Ha- has been, has been for, for 200 years. Has like, been for 200 years. Holy shit, I can't believe they pulled that off for another, another five years. Right, and the world is watching it not just in admiration, but, mm-hmm. but you know, the world takes, uh, takes from us some of the results of our experiment, and they take it over to their own places where they have recently deposed a king and they say well we don't really like everything about the declaration of independence and the and the u.s constitution but we're going to take some things (laughs) we're going to do this we're going to do that and meanwhile we are slogging along trying to make this experiment work and the further we go up this one particular path the more everybody starts to say boy you know oligarchy wasn't that bad in contrast to pure democracy and that is just that's a course adjustment you know we 50 years ago lived in a kind of oligarchical system where uh we had people like lyndon johnson who were taking care of things and we trusted fdr and we we trusted we trusted this sort of group of who who uh, were who were almost all like incredibly competent scumbags yeah, right. I mean, but uh, so that's, I mean, the... But you know the, what I'm saying, though? It's like, I, I, I think they're heroic. Being. I think they're heroic people, but, like, once you know about how that sausage got made, like, you know, they did some shit. Yeah. Well, but you think about you think about somebody like Gandhi, who was incredibly competent and not a scumbag. Right. He worked his whole life to free India from British oppression. oppression. Sorry, I'm missing a tooth. <laughs> and that's then right. The day, the, you know, literally the day he... He uh, achieved independence from Britain. All of a sudden, Pakistan wants independence from India, and they're plunged into what is effectively a, a civil war and a religious war that that persists to this day. And it has become like the the uh, nuclear flashpoint of the world. And all of that is a. Uh, 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 the, the whole India-Pakistan problem, and and we, one might argue the problem with Afghanistan is Pakistan and India fighting kind of a proxy war in Afghanistan. And that whole problem is a result of Gandhi freeing India from British oppression. Hmm. So even the best... You know, even the best system, even the, even the, the man with the most integrity in human history cannot produce a situation that isn't that doesn't you know dissolve into in in this case not just muslim versus hindu but you know it, 
well, I, I, and I'm not saying we should return to the Raj. I'm not saying that 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 freeing India from British oppression was a bad plan. It's just that now the now the now the cats are out of the bag, and people are going to do what they're going to do, and it, you know. But you're also you're also getting to another big problem, at least in my estimation, which is to never people who. Maybe people who aren't as fucked up and liberal artsy as me, who don't, don't take into account how many how life is a tile puzzle. There's like one little space, and you <laughs> want to get that in order from like one to fifteen. You got to move a lot of fucking tiles around, and it's super inconvenient. And if your only goal in life is to make sure that number number four always stays in the upper right hand corner, there's going to be so much work involved in moving all those tiles around. Nice. And if you if you sit around thinking I want four to always stay there, and don't you dare fucking touch it. Well, that's not how it's going to work. Everybody right. else wants their tile someplace too. <laughs> there are some right. people who just want the tiles to move. They don't really care what the numbers are. Those, you know, that's called lawyers. And so, but you know, and, and to, that, get, that, to get four back up to that corner, you might have, have to go. It might have to go somebody somewhere real far, and you might have to just shut the fuck up and let somebody else be in four for a little while if you ever want to have it back. Right. And and it's that's like solving a Rubik's cube. And this, again, this, this to me, this this gets to this really cynical. Um, I don't know. It's a it's a it's a weak spot that that a lot of us have in America because we all think we're smart and special. Which is that if we have if we a lot of us if we find somebody who will tell us that your number four tile will always get to stay in the upper right hand corner, and I will defend all the people who think your tile should move, you're gonna misunderstand so many things about how the world works. Setting aside the fact that there's still you know what uh, fourteen other people who want their tiles to move, and so. And this is why I say, well, I in green is one that drives me crazy because I think it's yeah, so fucking cynical to say that. And people say, well, and my my question always is, well, green at the cost of what, right? And in this instance, you could say to somebody, you you basically you, you treat them like a child. You treat them like a child. You treat them almost like a, in my case, like a toddler, right? With my daughter, three in the afternoon, I come home if I'm lucky, and we get to hang out, and I and and there's this whole list of things that we could do that come up. Well, you know, we could play some Wii, we could go to the library, we could read this comic. Hey, you know, we have enough time that we could go to the Embarcadero or like go to the ferry building. We could, and there's all these things, and they, they present themselves a little bit over over time. We could get a chocolate chip cookie. We could play in the backyard. But the thing is, at 7 o'clock, when we still haven't left the house, she still thinks we're going to get a chocolate cookie at, at the Embarcadero. Yeah. And I'm saying, you heard, it's like blah, blah, ginger. You All you heard is all the stuff that you wanted to hear, and you yeah. did not hear any of the parts about these, the really important part, because maybe I said it wrong. But what I really yeah. needed to say is we need to get the fuck out of the house by 3.15 to do anything. Yeah. And now I'm the dick because I'm not going to give you a cookie. Well, that's politics to me today. Is yeah. everybody hears all the ways that they're going to they're going to they're get to call themselves green and get their vegan meals, but they're not willing to pony up the dough to do it. I well, bought, you know what? I, I, bought I, two I, cell, I bought two CFL light bulbs that last week for ninety nine cents. So I'm green now. I don't mean to suggest that this is yeah. a way that this sorry, is applicable John. to sorry, your, your relationship show. with your daughter. Yeah, but this is why a punch in the nose is such an effective problem solver. And they they just they just took that away from you. You woke up one day and well, that was not, off not the from table. Me. They took that away from us. I'm sorry. They took it. They took it away from from the people who might have that coming because that, off because the table. There's, a, there's often a guy who's standing on his number four square and he's like, "I ain't moving." My family's been in the top right hand corner. That's right. Since aught six and. And at a certain point, you realize you cannot appease this person. You cannot make it right. They will never be satisfied. Mm-hmm. And you still need to move that thing out of the top right corner. You need to you need to occupy square number four. And ultimately, in times past, 
a punch in the nose was what was warranted. Mm-hmm. You just punch this guy in the nose, and then it's like it'll give you some. Clar- it'll sure give you some clarity, like like having your head said while you're tripping. It just give you a little bit, a little bit, a little bit of quick clarity, don't you think? But it's the thing. It's the thing about imminent domain, or it's the thing about oligarchy. At a certain point, we elect people because we trust that we we don't have all the facts. And that these people are going to be more informed than we are, and they're going to make decisions on our behalf. And in America now, we elect people, and then we second guess their every move because we <laughs> right. all think that we are. We all think that we're the smartest people in the. Well, and in, because because we heard there might be a cookie coming, even right. though we didn't understand how much was involved before or we ever guy, got near the, the cookie. The guy got elected because he promised us a cookie, and now where's our cookie? Hope, and, John. Hope. And the fact Ugh. is that we that we we can't all manage these things, and we we. Hire people, basically, yeah. to be our representatives to go figure this stuff out for us. And if we're not, and the, the, the problem is that we used to at least sometimes hire people that we thought were better than we are. But in America, nobody's better than anybody now, John. That's right. In America, you know now, there, it, there is no one better than, than anybody who just wants to stand up and say, I'm the best. Yeah. And so we hire people to go to public office for us who are. You know, who believe that the that the world was created in seven days, or who believe that all you have to do is implement a two percent across the board tax, and all of our bills will go away, or people that uh, you know that believe that L. Ron Hubbard uh, got a got okay, messages easy, from space. Okay, easy, easy, <laughs> easy. No, listen, we, we got. I'm sorry. Please continue. No, no, no. It's. All I just right. want to make sure. I just want to make sure that well, there's two things we have to come back to. If we don't think we have time for hobos and bombs, we should say that. But what I want to ask you is 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 a, is a two part question. Answer it. You know. As you as you do, but um, if you had your druthers today, if 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 you knew in your heart or thought in your heart, maybe maybe you're just going to push a rock up a hill. Um, but let's say you are going to run for office. At what level will you run for office? And given where you're running, can you give me some basic planks in the uh, John Roderick platform? Hmm. Hmm. I'm just going to say to start out, I don't I don't want to I don't want to piss in your punch bowl, but I think the whole idea of you even even conceding that you need to be elected for something is a goddamn holocaust. Well, I, I think a man, that, with, a man with a plan like yours, a man, a plan, a canal, a super train, I think it's fucking depressing as hell that you would even consider asking somebody to do you the favor of voting for you. The, 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 the thing is, though, that if you get elected, say, for instance, mayor of Seattle, mm-hmm. you have, you, you have in, you know, instantaneously all these agencies, all these people working for you who mm. are trying to, trying to run the city efficiently, but also are you know, are kind of open to reform. I mean, people are used to a new mayor coming in. Oh, you and, I mean, uh, and it's infrastructure, but you can always clean house. You, you do a little, you do a little house cleaning. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, I don't want to say that being mayor of Seattle is a dead end job, but <laughs> I think, I, I think that, uh, that's uh, see now that's the kind of dependent clause that gets a man in office. <laughs> I, I think, I think that running for mayor of Seattle would be, would be a fascinating uh, journey to go on. And I think being mayor of Seattle, given what I know about the city, which is everything, uh, you know, there are some there are some changes I would make. There are a lot of things about the way Seattle runs that I would leave alone. I would just let Seattle run. Uh, but there are there are quite a few. I mean, there are relationships you have to maintain. And our present mayor is uh, is very effective. He's a hippie, um, and so he has you know he has hippie values, and that squares with what everybody around here. Ah, uh, if you want someone no. selfish and duplicitous, that's a good place to look. But but the thing about Seattle is there there are a lot of people in Seattle who aren't hippies, mm-hmm. and I think that they have a tendency to uh, uh, not you know to run roughshod over the mayor or to 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 not respect him. And you know we you're in these 
it's like there are too many bike lanes kind of arguments now where it's like there really are there too many bike lanes and 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 what it, and his problem is that he he believes that we should have more bike lanes and he, and he believes that that is self-evident he doesn't have to explain it there are there are not there are not so he's saying there's not enough streets that have a bike lane or we need like five across on on this road i think our present mayor would be would be gratified if there were only bikes and the only cars, and only the oh, police. That's a fascinating cars. conversation to have. <laughs> but so I, I, I think that I would run for mayor of Seattle. Okay. But but ultimately, my father will not rest. Uh, my 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 ancestors will not rest until I am a United States senator. Yeah. And that's a that's a harder job to to acquire. I, I don't even know how to frame this, but you know that is yeah, John. That is that is a great goal. You are aging a little bit. I think that's actually more than yeah. you may want to admit is going to be your people. People could probably care less about your tripping, but I mean, you're pretty old to get into office at this point. But well, but, it's true. It's it's. Uh, I'm pretty old to start at the bottom. Unless you unless you you do do something heroic recently. Well, I mean, Sonny Bono yeah. got elected to the United States. Senate. Yeah, but he you know he wrote needles and pins. Well, see, yeah. that's what so, you did. Car so parts. That's a. I, I have always felt that the that for me the my my entree into the jobs that I've always wanted, which are United States Senator, uh, uh, Professor of uh, History Emeritus. Uh, you want to be i'm sorry that's so awesome you want to be a professor of history emeritus yes would you if you had your druthers i want to hear your third one too but if you could you would skip over the ignominious career of being a professor of history and go straight to being emeritus correct correct <laughs> i have i have no interest in being a professor of history teaching survey that is courses. so forward thinking i want to be a professor of history emeritus. it's a lot of work yeah or or a retired general of the army <laughs> And in order to get to those three jobs, the, the, the standard model right. is that you start at the you start at local level and you work your way sure. you know, up, up through the ranks. You don't get to. Hey, here's the thing: you might have to be you might have to be an assistant alderman before you're yeah, an alderman. Then you become an alderman. Then you're going to be a lawyer for a couple of years, become a lobbyist. Then you might run for mayor. I'm not interested in any of those things. That's that. See, this John, that is just. The, can I just say, John? And no offense to anybody in politics, you know, but that's just undignified. Yeah, Having to work your way up, like, 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 what are you in in elementary school? That's ridiculous. And the thing is, I, I, I don't need to know where the bodies are buried. I'll have, I'll have people, people for, that. for that. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. So, I, so using Sonny Bono as a model, ugh. which you know, or or the guy who played uh, Cletus on uh, on Dukes of Hazard. Oh, I think you're thinking of Cooter or Cooter, right? The guy who played Cooter. Um, you know, you his, just his, his real name, by the way, is Joseph Vagina. <laughs> you, uh, you just parlay your fame in a different, uh, vernacular. Mm -hmm. And then at a certain point you start saying, you know, you pull an Arnold Schwarzenegger, mm. you start talking like, you know, about stuff and enough people go, Oh, that sounds reasonable. That pretty soon you're the governor of California. He's not a bad example. I think he's a better example than Sonny Bono. Sonny Bono seems like whatever, but Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, say what you will about that guy. And there's a lot to say about that guy, but you know what? He worked really, or, or really Jesse the hard. Body Ventura. Well, that's a lot of work being arrested, a lot of travel. But yeah. I mean, you know, you go back and read a little bit about his bio. He worked oh, really. Yeah. I mean, sure, he took steroids and stuff, but he still he worked sure. really, he cut, he really cut hard. His eyebrow with a with the razor blade about a million times. You get paid a little extra for that, and so it, it does that, heal. 
so that's my plan. Okay. I feel like I feel like rather than you're going to work inside the system. This is the part I'm struggling to understand. You're going to work inside of a, an electoral system uh, where 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 people who have no business voting are theoretically the one that are going to give or take a job from you. Yeah, yeah. boy, John, that's I, because I admire the system. You know, ultimately, all the stuff that I say uh, that sounds like I am uh, I, I'm interested in running a um, a, a a monarchy, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, I really admire. I admire the American system with with all its faults, and I think it's absolutely. The, let me I let me let me ask you this. I don't know even if there's a a way to do this. I don't know how you apply for this. How would you feel about being a retired senator? Hmm. I'm, here's I think here's it, my thinking. You could become. Let's say you skip over being a senator because let's be honest, it's a lot of work and you're not going to get it. But mm-hmm. if you were a retired senator, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. could be. Look at Jimmy Carter, right? Right, not, not a senator, but in this case, I think he—you—it's become conventional wisdom that his fairly undistinguished term in office has almost been outshone by the massive amount of of good stuff he's done since then. Right. So I think it's time for you to to put your past behind you, talk mm-hmm. openly about the fact that you've done some kind of silly things in the past, <laughs> and and get past this whole election, electoral <laughs> process, which is, as I say, in my opinion, a little undignified, and mm-hmm. you go straight to being a, an elder non-statesman. Well, for instance, uh, uh, David Petraeus, the the former general of the army, General Petraeus, who is uh, who is right now director of the Central Intelligence Agency, hmm. and who is being courted to become the president of Princeton University. Now, this is a career path that I would like to inject myself into right uh, at this point that is that's opportunities you're not going to get until you've had a job and left it right so he he was generally you have to write a book before people before you can call yourself an author right you got to yeah. be a marine before you can be a marine a and i don't want to i don't whatever whatever petraeus did when he was a lieutenant mm-hmm. whoever's boots he shined to get promoted to captain uh, i'm not interested in shining those boots no but uh, and and frankly, you know, all the wars he waged there during the Bush administration, yeah, you know, take them or leave them. But now to be retired general of the army, director mm. of the CIA, that's a nice position, John. Considering a move over to be president of Princeton People University, people would want to interview you. Boy, that would be so good. Are you familiar with the uh, concept of the CLEP test? Hmm. Do you What's know what clepping CLEP is? No. C L E P. It's a college level examination program. And basically, the idea is if you go in at certain kinds of schools, not, not the kind of schools you and I would go to, but at some schools, you can go <laughs> in and take a test called the CLEP and say, you know what? I'm going to skip over all of these distribution requirements because I can oh. demonstrate it's kind of like a smart person um, GED. Like you uh-huh. go in and go, you know what? I really don't need to take composition, you know, right. 101. And so you take a CLEP. And so you can go straight, you skip straight over the stuff that all the civilians have to take, and it's called clepping out. So I wonder, I don't know if this is, could be part of the super train program, or if it's something you might want to initiate as one of your own uh, pilot programs internally, but I think you should be able to clep over certain jobs. Just clep out of having ever been in the Army, but still be, still have people call me General? Mm. God, that sounds that good. Nice? General Roderick. The problem with that, though, is what, my freshman year in college, they gave uh, a writing test to the entire freshman class mm-hmm. to place us somewhere in the, you know, it was one of those writing tests where you write right. four essays and they, and you get a score of one through five or something like that. And mm-hmm. they, and that's how they know how, how smart you are. What could possibly and, I was, go wrong? and I was like, this is going to be great. This is amazing. I can't wait to take this test. And I sat and I wrote a big disquisition. You know, I forget what the topic was, some dumb thing, but I, I ignored it completely. And I wrote a big disquisition on how, 
you know, how everybody needed to to just adopt the 15 planks of Rodericism and uh, and the world would be made a better place. And I got a zero out of five on my writing exam. And the the kid that I thought was the dumbest kid in our whole dorm, the uh, the kid that 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 spoke as though he had been, which I knew him to have been, hit on the head 1,000 times with a lacrosse racket. He got a five, and I got a zero. And I was like, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So that's, that's how it works. That's how you make a supervillain and shit how like it is that. in their family. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, so my sense is I would try and clip out of having ever been in the Army and go right to being director of CIA, and, uh, and I would get a zero. Because somehow I wouldn't have like filled out. The There's got to be something point. where all of these things that you you look at as deficits, and let's be honest, the, the world and the body politic looks at as deficits. Mm. Look, some of this stuff, saying what you said so candidly about mm. uh, about uh, the city in which you would <laughs> theoretically govern, mm. yes, I could see how that could cause problems. But it's a shame that you can't get some kind of you know, like like with clapping, that you can't get some kind of special credit for what you've survived and what you've put other people through. Because it seems to me, you know, Petraeus, I mean, I'm sure it wasn't all just, you know, uh, beer and Skittles. He, he he probably had to do some shit, some LBJ kind of shit, right? Yeah, I think he did. I don't know. I don't know. It just, it's it's very troubling to me, John. You, I, know, I, you know what I think it is, Merlin? I yeah. think that that what we, what we, and, and you, 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 you're ahead of me on this. You, you, you're aware of this in a way that I'm only now just, it's just dawning on me. But it might be that we have clipped our way into having a podcast where we talk to each other back and forth. And that that is the thing that 25 years from now, people will be like, oh, man, if I could just clip into a podcast. Oh, you're saying we're, uh, we're, we're generals of a kind. We're already there. How the fuck did those guys get a podcast? Right, right. We are effectively. What, how, how is he on the board of Exxon Mobil? What did you know that kind of thing, right? Exactly. Boy, and we what, make it. We make it look so easy, don't we? We, we really do. You show up. You got a broken fucking tooth. You're eating a sandwich. You talk about getting your ass kicked with an ass hand, uh, an ass handle, an with ass an ass handle. You get, with your, an ass you get your ass kicked with. I got to pee so bad. Yeah. And with, an hour and a half later, one yeah. of the guys says, "I really have to pee," and yeah. then and the show's over. You know, I already peed once, and I I, uh, I filled a liter bottle. I almost drank it a couple minutes ago. While we were sitting here talking, you peed? Well, I mean, I muted it. Oh, my God.